super pleased to be here with Elizabeth Gwain, who is one of the senior managers, well, the senior UX manager from Ecosystem. Um, lovely to have you here on the podcast, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. How lovely are you to be doing here. today? I'm doing fine. <laughs> Good. So this is, I wanted to just have a chat with you about Ecosystem to understand a bit about what you guys do and tell our audience what this unique part of Shopify is all about. So we'll maybe just start there. So what is what is Ecosystem? What are the problems that you guys look after? What is Ecosystem? Yes, what is this very fancy word that we use to describe what we are? Well, when I joined Shopify in 2018, just over two years ago, we were called Platform. And actually, we, were, we had an app platform team and a partner platform team. So that starts to give you a glimpse into what we're all about. So the ecosystem is everything that connects to Shopify to kind of fill in the gaps that Shopify itself can't fulfill for all merchants, whether that is through apps that our partners build or services that they offer. And so we have lots of different types of partners that work with Shopify and the ecosystem is basically the, the engine that fuels that, that world. Uh, and what that means, which is really interesting to me, is that we end up working with a lot of different types of users. So we end up working with developers. Those developers might be people in Shopify who are making the products that they build kind of extensible out to this, this ecosystem and this world of partners. They might be the partners themselves. They might be partners who don't do any development and just do like SEO consultation or they're big agencies. So there's really, really broad uh, difference in the types of users that we work with. And it's quite different for Shopify in that we are obviously always focused on merchants as our consumer of everything that we make and making sure that everything is right for them. But we're also looking at lots of other user types with the work that we do. So that gives me a sense that there's there's a hypothesis here that the ecosystem team or privacy platforms was building, which is we can't solve all the problems for our merchants ourselves. And so what 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 are those kind of markers that you guys look for that show that we're doing right by our merchants in the way that we use these different partners and developers tools within the Shopify world? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we try to solve for most merchants most of the time, I think is the phrase that we often use. And I think a lot of, of large product companies do that. You know, they really, we really need to be focused on the problems that we're solving. And we need to really build the sort of beating heart of commerce and focus on that and building out the essential, what we almost call like primitives of commerce that need to work for, for merchants everywhere. But we can't possibly meet every single use case, especially as we think about Shopify um, expanding globally, working in markets where like shipping might work totally differently or, you know, other aspects of commerce might work completely differently. And so the focus that we are able to sort of pull away from teams so that they can focus on the primary audiences and the primary markets, we basically allow for other partners and developers to, to fill in those other gaps. And I mean, the way that we think about it is these are entrepreneurs as well. These are just entrepreneurs of a different kind. And so Shopify became large enough that it could become this sustaining platform that other types of entrepreneurs who are not merchants can also build on Shopify and grow their businesses on Shopify. And we've seen that happen. You know, we've seen people with a small app in the app store become a really big successful business. And so the second part of your question is, how do we do that in a way that's safe for merchants? I mean, this was the primary reason I, jo I joined this team. I joined to sort of focus on trust and focus on privacy. And that is really, really important to us and something that every team, especially in ecosystem, but also in teams around Shopify, really, really thinks a lot about, not only in terms of personal information, the buyer information that might be shared and how and when should that be shared, but also all sorts of other constraints and, and sort of uh, guardrails that we put in place to make sure that that data isn't kind of being shared around the platform in a way that it shouldn't be. So, so there's that aspect that's really interesting. But I think the, the facet of 
ecosystem that really is fascinating to me is this world of just these are entrepreneurs as well. And that Shopify supports all kinds of entrepreneurship beyond beyond commerce. I mean, that's just really kind of rewarding to work with. I love that. And I guess this is an interesting experience challenge because that means your team is looking after multiple different user segments. I mean, traditionally, we talk about our end user having different behavioral segments, but actually they're coming from very different places entirely within, you know, ecosystem and like our ultimate user is the merchant, but then you guys have a different way of looking at different. So can you walk us through how you focus on the different user groups that, yeah, that either contribute services or build on the services that your team works on? Yeah, well, what's interesting before I start, start with that, I think what's interesting with the users that we're designing for is we we created the sort of environment that they exist within. And to some degree, we our understanding of them has evolved over time as they've adapted to the system that we've created. So what I mean by that is when Shopify started designing for merchants, we were thinking about prospective small business owners or medium-sized business owners who might build on Shopify. And these were people who maybe already had a business idea and needed you know, a great tool to get it done. And increasingly we've gone in to sort of say, okay, what if people who never thought that they would be a business owner, can we actually show them how easy it could be, right? To kind of get them um, started businesses sooner. And, that, and then we started to move into you know, restaurants and service businesses that weren't maybe our, our original remit, but now those are businesses that really need to be online as well. And the same thing has happened with developers. So when we started, we were really, you know, if you think about you're starting an app store and you have no apps, well, you you build some apps yourself and, and then you start to grow. And now we have about 4,000 apps and the app store has been around for, you know, a good number of years now. Um, nowhere near the lifespan of like the Apple app store, right? So we're still a baby where I would say that we're kind of like our tween phase. We're kind of coming out of our baby phase and starting to mature a little bit. And as that's happened, the types of businesses that exist on our platform have changed. So like I said, some of them have become really big and they they are actually like robust businesses of their own. And then some of them are still small and they're kind of one or two developers getting an app off the ground. We've also realized that what we understood was that there were app developers and then there were agencies that work with with our merchants. So we found that there are technical teams, development teams who are working in agencies who are also developing apps, sometimes Mm -hmm. custom apps. For, for larger merchants, so enterprise level merchants. So there's that area. But we also found that the Venn diagram gets even more complex because there are also merchants now that are so big that they have in-house development teams who are, who are building custom development for themselves, which is not meant for a public audience and has very different concerns. But certainly when you think about the tools that you're using to make these things, it's the same tools. We're not building a separate set of tools for each audience. We're really building one foundational set of platform tools with very different guardrails and constraints depending on who it's used by. So that's really fascinating. And I think even just in the last two years that I've been here, our understanding of those audiences has really grown and and will hopefully continue to grow. So how do you organize around this? You talked about the different teams that existed before, but what are these kind of, what are the subgroupings of focus area that the ecosystem team has today? Yeah, we recently, we used to be divided into kind of the app world and everyone else. And we realized that actually that wasn't necessarily an effective way to do it. And so... And what we wanted to do was sort of optimize for speed of teams being able to develop solutions. We wanted to optimize for ownership, that they could feel real ownership of the problem space that they were in. And we also wanted to optimize for like not having redundancy. So the exact thing that I mentioned, which is that we have lots of different types of developer audience. We don't want to develop a separate set of tools depending on who the audience is. And so what we've done now most recently is we have two distinct product groups. One is called marketplaces and the other is called developer platform. And as you might imagine, the developer platform builds 
all of the developer tools for every type of developer, whether that's a merchant, a merchant developer, as we call them, uh, whether that's somebody who's building custom tools or whether that's somebody who's building an app for the app store. Um, and there's a lot of other considerations around that. So we have teams within that group that work primarily with Shopify teams, because if you think about wanting to build an app for Shopify, you need to understand the APIs that Shopify offers, which are being built by other Shopify teams. So we have to be an interface between Shopify and the ecosystem. So we have a team that focuses on that. We have teams that focus primarily on developer outreach to really understand and advocate for the developer and bring the kind of their frustrations and concerns into the teams. And then we have teams that focus on things like privacy and sort of patterns of APIs, so very foundational infrastructural concepts, but then also developer experiences. So how can we offer tools like our Shopify command line interface that we built last year, which is really great, a command line tool for developers to use really quickly to get stuff launched. But we also want to think about, well, what about newer developers who are coming in who don't, who aren't comfortable in that language? Can we also build other ways for people to develop? So we're thinking about the developer audience and trying to not block ourselves off, off to, we don't want the developer platform that we create to be something that feels off-putting or not approachable or something that it's really hard to learn. And we think we still have quite a ways to go because there's a lot you can do with our platform, but it is pretty complex. So we want to make sure that we're kind of optimizing for simplicity as we move forward. So that's kind of the developer, um, the developer platform area. We also have another team within that group that focuses on what we call extensions, which is the idea that apps shouldn't just sort of be something that you open in a new tab. So you have to constantly move from Shopify over to your tab to do the app, but trying to find new ways for the app to sort of plug into Shopify in meaningful ways. So you can kind of get your work done right where you need to do it, whether you're using an app or whether you're just using Shopify. And then this, the separate product group is marketplaces. And as you would imagine, it's all of our marketplaces. So it's our, our experts marketplace, which is all of our kind of agency and service partner um, offerings. We have our app store itself, and we also have our theme store. And so those are the, the groups that are really thinking about how do we move our marketplaces forward so that they evolve beyond what they are now. So our app store has been through, I think, just two iterations. So we relaunched it about two years ago. Uh, with a big redesign, but I think there's a lot more that we can do to really help people who are just getting started with Shopify understand exactly what apps are good for them. We did a recent experiment with, I mentioned restaurants earlier, so this was something that we thought a lot about during COVID. How do we bring service businesses um, online in an easier way? And there are some apps that work really well for them. We found that merchants who install a couple of apps in their first couple of weeks really get a lot more out of Shopify in its early days. So they can kind of like basically fill it out with the things that they need. And often it's the tools that they're already using, right? We're just plugging in the pieces so that they're not kind of yeah. existing in silos. And uh, so we're trying to do a little bit more of that. So thinking about different verticals, different types of businesses, what are the apps that they need? So we can just say, hey, here's the essentials, kind of plug and play and, and you're kind of off to the races. Okay, so that the scope across those two areas, developer platform and marketplaces is huge. So I guess mm -hmm. my follow-on question is, how many people do you have in the ecosystem that are tackling this? And how big does your UX team have to be to, given all of these different layers of lenses that you're actually applying? Yeah, our, our UX team just tipped over the 50-person mark, I think, last week. We had a, somebody new join, actually, and our latest new hire today. So I think it must be 51 now. And uh, yeah, we're, it's, 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 and it's roughly even split between those two product groups, so between developer platform and marketplaces. And that's a mixture, you know, as people who, who follow Shopify will know, that's a mixture of people from UX development, research, content design, and also uh, product design. We also have a marketing UX team that's embedded with an ecosystem that's thinking a lot about 
how do we market to developers? Because it's such a specific audience that really is only, I would say more or less only specific to our product line. I think there are some other product lines that are working for them as well, but it's really a primary focus for us. So they're really thinking about what tone of voice should we use for developers? How should we kind of express ourselves in different channels? And um, how are we reaching out, not just to the developers we have today and you know helping them understand Shopify, but reaching out to new developers who can join. So that's something else that we have. So there's marketing designers who are in that group as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't know the overall numbers of our whole ecosystem team right now because we recently brought in a couple of new teams. So I won't put a figure okay. out there, but if you think about, okay, UX is 50, then kind of extrapolate from there. And what's interesting for us is that we are, we have a commercial team embedded as well. So we have marketing embedded and we also have a commercial team embedded that are thinking about strategic partnerships. We have a strategic partnerships team, what we call a one Shopify partnerships team, and then a broader team that looks just at our par- partner program overall. So what are the different places where we can bring in different types of partners, different types of developers um, into work with Shopify. So there's a lot of overlap and conversation that happens between research and development and UX and these kind of commercially focused teams, which I really enjoy. I think it's a really beneficial, mutually beneficial relationship because they're able to give us like such like real talk about what people want and what people are looking for. And we're able to kind of talk to them about, okay, well, this is what people are experiencing when they actually go into the product. This is how, you know, what we, what we sell to people, what we describe to them as our offering needs to actually absolutely hold true. Um, and we also need to look and say, okay, well, this is what these partners are actually doing in the ecosystem, and this is how we need to grow it beyond that initial relationship, that initial commercial conversation. So it's uh, if you want to learn about business and a whole bunch of different user types and, and not be sort of scared off by what seems like a very technical type of product area, I think ecosystem is just a great place to learn about all of that. It's really fascinating because if we if we kind of zoom back into just like the UX discipline, I know a lot of people, well, a rare area of experience is building tools that others use to build tools. Mm-hmm. So we know that like actual software product designers are rarer than sort of web or even like, you know, kind of direct to user interface yeah. experiences. So. How do you, like, what kind of processes, and I don't know if you have any specific examples, do you guys use to maintain quality or, like, to create a craft area around sort of platform design or platform experience design? Like, is that something that you talk about and the differences in how, you know, basic things from principles to heuristics might actually work in an ecosystem context versus any other area? It is something we talk about a lot and we talk about it a lot and not just overall in UX, but within specific disciplines. So for UX development, for example, which is I think the youngest of our UX disciplines in Shopify, a lot of the UX developers in Shopify early on were on our Polaris team. You know, So they were developing sort of front end components for our design system. And it seems like an obvious natural fit for somebody who is focused on front end development with a UX lens and accessibility lens to be on that team. But I found that there were a lot of really strong front-end developers who made the switch to UX development, but wanted to stay in ecosystem as well. And they had really, really important things to bring to the table about not just kind of the front-end experience, but also kind of the underpinnings of how something was developed. And so we've had, we have quite a few UX developers who I think are kind of, I hate to use the word unicorns, but they are kind of all-rounders. Like they're kind of good at back-end and good at front-end, but they really have a UX mindset, you know? And, and, and it doesn't stop with just the people who are UX developers. A lot of our engineers are also, you know, very user-focused, as, as hopefully everybody should be. Um, so there's that aspect where each discipline has its own sort of flavor. I think you'll see the same thing in content design, which is my own background. We have to think about 
being simple enough for a novice user to understand. This is an area where people are coming to it with a lot of um, experience and expertise of their own, and we don't want to simplify it to the point that it becomes so Fisher-Price that it's not actually helping them get done what they need to get done, right? So there's a simplicity to that. Some interesting overlaps that we found are, so if you take API design, for example, so early on, I think only developers were involved in API design. And what we've found, which is kind of no surprise to most people who come from maybe an information architecture background, is that API design is really, you know, it benefits from having both a technical and a user experience lens focused on it. Because ultimately what you're talking about is what are the granular pieces of information that we are going to offer as kind of access points to what we've made. And so if we make the, the pieces of our API too, um, too large, then uh, we're going to give people access to things that we don't necessarily want them to have access to. We're not being opinionated about how they should use the product. So it's really just, it's almost like a, a guide to how they should be using the product and we need to be mindful of what that tells them, right? What are the implicit messages that that sends? So we've had some really beneficial uh, collaborations between UX and engineering on that front. So there's things like that that I think are specific. But overall, in terms of quality, it really is about the same thing that user experience is about everywhere, which is constantly reminding yourself that you are not your user. I think the one pitfall that we can fall into is that we become so kind of enmeshed in our own bubble. And in, this is all of us, even if we've been working in UX for a really long time, and we sort of believe that our assumptions are enough and that we know enough about our audience to be able to make a good assessment without checking first. Mm. And I find that with, with developer platform and with engineering, you know, we're Shopify is very much an engineering led culture. I think most companies, you know, we inherit the culture of our founders. And I think we are very kind of engineering driven, logic driven in a lot of ways. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that the engineer and the developer that we're designing for is not a Shopify engineer, you know, it's not somebody who has all that context. It's not somebody who has even maybe the preference for languages that we might have internally, right? So we have to be able to think about that. And then I think the other thing that we need to do is think, well, what is the type of developer that we want to see on the platform? And I think that's where we can be a bit more opinionated. I think with the merchant audience, we want to, you know, make commerce better for everyone. And we want to make sure that it's, uh, you know, there's a low barrier to entry for any new person who wants to start a business. With development, we want to make sure that it's an approachable platform and that people can understand it and it's simple and they understand how to use it to get done what they need to get done. But we also want people who have a really strong sense of ethics and we want to make sure that it's people who have a really strong sense of why they're using this platform to build something for this audience and that they have thought through their business goals almost to the degree that we would think them through if we were building something for a merchant. So it is the partner word is like maybe a bit overplayed, but it's really important. They really are our partners in designing for merchants. And so that's where we try to sort of think about the quality bar is that are we allowing app developers to do something that we wouldn't allow ourselves to do? Um, and vice versa. Sometimes are we letting ourselves off, but actually being really strict with our partners? And I think that kind of goes both ways. It's fascinating. I find like the, I was once in a, in a team, in a product team where we, our audience was developer. And there is like a naivety around this idea of building developer tools. It's like, oh, if you make it available, they will come. But actually, like you said, developers are users too. And actually being user-centered, being mindful, designing things with their needs in mind, making sure you're clear on your values so that you, you actually attract the right type of people this is very intentional work. It's not, mm -hmm. uh, you don't get it for free. And actually, if you're too successful before you've defined some of these things, you get a lot of noise and poor quality, and then you have to 
filter that stuff out where actually you want to be focusing on like a high quality small set of people who are really tightly aligned with what you're trying to achieve and like you know that's a tough thing to to balance all the time Absolutely. I think, I mean, I'm not uh, an expert in kind of growth myself, but I think in terms of like growth hacking or growth as a specific to my discipline, Mm. but I think a difference between developer growth and merchant growth would be, or kind of like consumer user growth would be that what I see in developer growth is that there are life cycles, that there's more intentionality to it. So that when we seed the early stages of a developer platform or an ecosystem, we have to be really intentional about what we believe in and what we're allowing you to do. Like, what are the access points? But we have to make sure that it is a proposition, like it's a viable way to build your business and that you can sustain it in the long term. That's really, really important. And then we have to live up to that. But then we might go through phases where we we open the gates a little bit more and allow a little bit more growth. But then we have to go through phases where we look at what's happening in the marketplace, look at how data is being shared and put more guardrails in. So it's a bit more of an ebb and flow than just mm-hmm. a straight hockey stick. Um, but, you know, we we do believe that, you know, it is a mutually beneficial ecosystem when it's done really well. And so what we want to do is optimize for growth in the platform without without it being kind of unconstrained, right? Without it being kind of just like anything goes, because that's going to, you know, be so damaging um, to not only like all of the great developers who are on the platform, but all the merchants who are using it. Absolutely. You said earlier on that you've seen when a merchant downloads one or two apps early in their Shopify journey, they're more successful. So what what is that merchant outcome that you guys consider to be the sort of north star for the work you're doing in ecosystem is it just that they get going faster or is it that they are you know what what are those things that you look for yeah i mean there are statistics which i won't call too verbatim because i might get them slightly wrong off the top of my head but there are statistics in terms of like the first if a merchant downloads a certain number of apps in their first say 30 days that we see that they stay on the platform that they're a bit more invested in the platform now you know, the context of this may be that they are hooking up systems that they already use and are invested in. And so they've now kind of almost welcomed Shopify into the family (laughs) a little bit of other tools that they use uh, rather than like they're starting off from from the get-go. But I think there also is the fact that specifically for certain types of businesses that there are certain apps that they kind of need to get the job done. And so therefore, you know, what we're trying to do is move those apps almost to become more like the batteries included version of Shopify where, and some of these are actually apps that we create ourselves, right? Because we, some things that we build in Shopify, we don't build into the kind of core domain of Shopify because not every merchant needs them, but a, a lot of merchants do. And so we need to make sure that those are just kind of ready out of the gate and people can, can get access to them. So yeah, I think that's, those are the types of things that we look at for. We look at obviously merchant installs of apps, but we also try to look at things like we can't see what merchants are doing in the apps, but we can certainly look at how, how often they go and use them and how often they, they they do constantly return again and again to the app section. So a lot of the stuff that we're focused on right now is just making that super easy and making it a lot faster to get to them, making us feel like first-class citizens is something we've talked a lot about. But yeah, because that is, you know, the Shopify experience is, is Shopify plus apps. It really is. And I think that's true of so many, you know, so many tools that we use to run our businesses today it isn't it isn't going to be any one thing it's going to be an aggregate so yeah that's basically what we we try to do and and what we've also seen is that so there's dimensions of business growth so as a business scales it's going to need it might have started off with say a very basic email app and it might need something more complex or more complex sort of social tools or social channels to do what it needs to do but also regionally. So I think we look at the dimension of both business growth and then also where is the, where is the, where are they doing business, but also where are they based? There might be different legal requirements in some markets where they might need 
specific apps that kind of fulfill a legal requirement. So we're making sure that we can sort of fill those gaps for them. And that is a really good, before I sort of close, like international is an interesting lens in this as well. Like, because I'm imagining there are going to be limitations based on where your store is or where you're selling. So do you guys have a specific international team or is it on everybody to kind of just consider the international context when they're um, providing these tools for partners? Yeah, there is an international growth product line at Shopify, which is a separate product line to ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I often think of them as a, our kind of closest cousin. You know, I think there are certain teams that we are really close cousins with, but also I feel like they're like the ecosystem frontline. So they're telling us everything we're going to need to be doing at scale in, in say six months, right? Because they're going to be looking at, okay, well, we're launching in this market and these are the needs in this market. And guess what? You know, like I said, like shipping or whatever it might be, some aspect of commerce works very different in this market. And we need to think about that. Or even, you know, as we think to, you know, expanding even more globally, what if the interface of, of doing of actually running your admin is totally different? You know, there's some really exciting, more out there ideas that we think about, but but certainly, yeah, I think about international as our front line, but it's something that we all pay attention to in the same way that we all pay attention to kind of trust and security and privacy. Uh, it's not sort of a, a specific team's domain. It's something we all have to pay attention to. Absolutely. I love the spirit that Shopify has always had, which I think is where like older software companies get to eventually, which is don't assume we need the bloat for everybody like be as lean as we can be for most merchants and then allow a lot of extensibility for the long tail of everybody else and i that seems to be the spirit that was always in play and then seeing the ecosystem org flourish and like even just having four thousand apps in our mm -hmm. app store it may be small compared to like a smartphone app store but that's like an insane number of extensibility um, options for a given merchant you know absolutely I mean when you think about our domain being commerce like I think it's pretty you know it's pretty robust the number that we have yeah. now and we do want it to grow I, I think that's the magic of like I said we were an engineering driven culture and I, I do put a lot of it down to that we, we had this sort of lean approach from the outset that we shouldn't kind of build this you know crazy all bells and whistles interface mm -hmm. where you your first job was to just switch off all the things you don't need we wanted to make sure that it worked really well out of the box for most merchants and that apps come along and do the rest and I think what we're trying to do now is really improve the kind of glue between those two pieces so that it becomes really intuitive for you to to be able to kind of find the apps that you need to do a certain job rather than it being just kind of like well go into the app store and find what you need which was you know maybe our early stage was just like let's see how what people look for and what they what they need now we're kind of yeah. building on the insights that we've gathered amazing so I guess as a final thought, what would you say, um, well, I said two, uh, a questioning in two parts, should I say, what are the key skills that make anyone that may potentially UX specifically, but like make somebody successful within the ecosystem team? And then as a second part to that, what would you recommend that people maybe go read up on or skill up on if they are interested in this particular area of work? I think the thing that makes everyone, no matter their discipline, really valuable in ecosystem is understanding that all software problems are also human problems, that they're, most of the things that we try to solve are maybe even more than 50% human problems, You know, whether it's problems of helping people understand a new tool or understand what it could do for them. You know, And that isn't just the basics of like, how do I build it? It's more like, what could it be used for? What are the possibilities? So understanding how humans learn is really, really important having like a, a kind of a knowledge background is a really like if you have a library science or a kind of a learning background, I think that's really, really valuable. 
And yeah, I mean, all, all software problems are human problems. And then I think the thing, what was the story? What was the second part of the question? So what would you, what could somebody go and skill up on or learn to, if they're interested in this area of, of work? Absolutely. So I think, I mean, I have a little bit of bias because this is my own background, but I think information architecture and kind of modeling is really, really important. Being able to very simply model the objects in a complex system so that it isn't overwhelming, both for yourself and for your audience is incredibly important. So I think if I were to think about the different aspects of skills that we have, it is that understanding kind of maybe service design, human problems, how humans work together, how humans learn, it's structure and modeling, like how do you create something that feels simple out of something that otherwise could seem very complex? Mm. Uh, and then how do you kind of optimize for the right balance of sort of simplicity and complexity and something that needs to be robust and needs to be growing, but also needs to be something that is digestible for different types of users. So um, so I would say like anyone who's wanting to uh, think about ecosystem or any kind of platform team, obviously having a working knowledge of development and understanding the language that it uses, whether you can actually build an app yourself or not, is really important. Not being kind of overwhelmed or scared of that world and that audience, understanding that these are just tools people use to do things like anything else yeah. um, is really important. But I think also being able to understand how humans learn and being able to understand uh, how to make complex concepts really simple are the things that we look for. So no small things. Though. Just just those easy things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, this is fascinating. Like ecosystem is such a cool product line to watch work for me and certainly like a key partner for multi-channel as well. So thank you so much for providing super thorough introduction to like all of the areas of work and challenge within that team. Yeah, I recommend that people read up and look out for any job postings, but also look out for content in the UX blog. I think there have been a couple of really cool articles from the team recently. And thank you so much, Elizabeth, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lola. It was a pleasure.